Welcome to Lead On Purpose. I'm James Lachlan, former seven-time world champion musician and now executive coach to global leaders and high performers. In every episode, I bring you an inspiring leader or expert to help you lead your life and business on purpose. Thanks for taking the time to connect today and investing in yourself. Enjoy the show. How much time do you invest in your brain? Well, look, our brain dictates so many things. It's our largest asset. We've got to look after it, right? But often we're putting things on our skin and we're doing all these other things that care for our bodies, but our brain dictates so much. I came across a product a wee while ago called Flow State, and it's made such a difference. And look, they offer functional mushrooms that sharpen cognition. They really boost energy and definitely strengthen immunity. And they actually use uh, one of their key ingredients is lion's mane, right? So lion's mane is popular among really peak performing athletes and those wanting an edge. It's known as the brain mushroom. And it's currently being studied extensively for its nerve growth factor potential as a means to ease the symptoms of Alzheimer's and for treating inflammation in the body. Now, look, the thing I love about these products They don't taste like mushrooms. You can mix them in with your tea. They're a great replacement for coffee. But I actually love the PM mushroom blend, the evening one. It really helps me sleep. And to know that my brain is getting extra nutrients is just next level. The one thing that's really important for me is what's in there. So they've tested heavily at Hill Laboratories for heavy metals, pesticide residue, microbials, and also at Massey University for active compounds. So I urge you, if you love your brain and you want to go the extra mile to nurture it, head on over to flowstate.nz and you can use the coupon code LEADONPURPOSE to get 15% off. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get home And I think, what am I eating tonight? It's the last thing I want to do. I don't know what to cook. I don't know what's in the cupboard or in the fridge. And it often leads to poor choices like ordering some takeaways. So recently, Caroline and I started eating green dinner table. And it's absolutely amazing. After a long day when I'm knackered, I know that when I get home, there's going to be a great recipe and all the ingredients I need right there in the fridge. And look, I absolutely love it. I've been doing it for several months and it means I don't have to think at the end of the day. And I just know that I'm going to get good, nutritious, wholesome food. And look, it's plant-based, which has so many benefits. So if you're a meat eater, perhaps you might want to start on maybe just three, like a three-day plan. So you've got three evening meals for you and your partner or you and your family, depending on what option you want to go for. But the food is delicious. It's so nutritious and it means we don't need to think And as leaders of families, teams, and organizations, what we put in our bodies is just so crucially important. So I urge you to go and check it out. And I want to give you 20% off your first order. So you can go to greendinnertable.co.nz and use the coupon code PURPOSE. Time Magazine named him one of the top 100 most influential people in the world. Men's fitness, 
hailed him as one of the fittest men on the planet. Dean Carnesis has pushed his body and mind to inconceivable limits. Among his many accomplishments, he has run 50 marathons in all 50 US states in 50 consecutive days. He's run 350 continuous miles, foregoing sleep for three nights. He's also run across the Sahara Desert in 120 degree temperatures. He's run to the South Pole in negative 40 degrees. On 10 different occasions, he's run a 200 mile relay race solo, racing alongside teams of 12. He's won the world's toughest foot race, the Badwater Ultramarathon, running 135 miles nonstop across Death Valley in the middle of the summer. He has raced and competed on all seven continents of this planet twice over. You know, his adventures have been featured everywhere you can imagine. New York Times, The Late Show with David Letterman, The Today Show, the BBC, and the list goes on. I am so honoured and privileged to share today's episode with you. Whether you're into sport, you're into running, you run a company, you want to be a better parent, this episode is going to be such an insight into what it means to take one step at a time towards the ultra marathon of your life, whatever that might be. So sit back and enjoy the show. Dean, a huge welcome to the Lead on Purpose podcast. Oh, thanks for having me as a guest. I uh, never really considered myself as a leader, but um, some of your other some of your other guests certainly are. Well, you're the ultimate leader, and I really firmly believe leadership starts with self. We can't lead others until we lead ourselves. And when we start to look at your achievements, your mindset, your grit, I mean, you're you're the ultimate self leader. So. Before we, we get into that, I'd love to ask you, when you think of leadership, what comes to mind? I think, uh, to me, a, a leader is someone who sets a good example. And I think that your opening comment um, speaks to me because I'm, I'm Greek and I studied classics. And, you know, Socrates um, uh, famously said to Plato, you know, before you go about changing the world, uh, change yourself. And I think mm. what you said uh, speaks so much to that point. That's incredible. And it's interesting. So for the listener that's that's new to you, I want to, to just give them one very clear fact. You ran 50 marathons in all 50 U.S. states in 50 consecutive days, right? <laughs> and I'm still alive <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how the hell are you still alive after that? It's incredible. So, self leadership on that journey. Let's you've you've ran so many incredible, challenging races, uh, but that journey in particular, fifty, fifty, fifty. What did you learn about yourself? You know, I, I learned that I was uh, better than I thought I was, and that I could go further than I thought I could. So, I had obviously a lot of doubts going into it because. People were uncertain whether it was possible. I was uncertain whether it was possible. And I said, you know, that all you can do is uh, get up every morning and have the same commitment to be, to be the best dean that dean can be, just to give it your all uh, from 
the moment you wake until the moment you, you go back to sleep. And just applying that, you know, that very simple formula, just I'm going to be the best I can be at every moment for 50 days uh, got me through it. So, you know, I learned that um, great things don't happen uh, in, you know, at once, that they happen uh, over, over time. They accumulate and 50 days of, uh, of marathoning proved to me that, you know, if you have that stick to itness, if you have the same commitment just to be the best that you can, uh, give it your all that you can achieve greatness. Mm, that's just amazing. And when I think of that, the idea of incrementalism comes to mind that, you know, building up to doing 50 marathons in 50 consecutive days, you know, that would be, you know, multiple years or decades of incrementally committing to self-discipline to running. Right. I, I think uh, again, <laughs> going back to my Greek roots, you know, we are we basically are the the sum of our habits. So the things we do, to your point, uh, every every moment, every day, uh, incrementally build us into who we are. And certainly, the fifty marathons is a prime example of that. And when you like, uh, there'll be the listener listening right now going, "Why? Why fifty marathons? You know, what what, what was the the internal driver to do that?" So for you. What was it that you were setting out to do personally? I know that you get the the 50 and 50 and 50, but there's something internally, that intrinsic driver. What was that that was really driving you? I think it was curiosity. I, I think that to me, um, running is a pursuit of, of excellence. And to me, uh, running is about pushing the limits of, you know, breaking down limitations. And I thought, if I can do this, uh, I'll prove to myself that really nothing is impossible. And these lessons would carry over from running uh, into life. Uh, that was one of the drivers. You know, the other driver was that I didn't want it to be just about me. I wanted to involve other people because I thought, you know, if I go out and do this, that's great. I can pound my chest and say, look what I did. But I thought it would be more powerful if I invited others to come and join me at marathons along the way and engaged other people to kind of live vicariously through this experience. So over the course of the 50 marathons, I had, you know, several thousand runners come out and join me, some for more than one marathon. A couple actually ran uh, six marathons with me, six of the 50. And uh, it, it was great. It was, it, it just made it about more than just me. It gave it a, a bigger, uh, deeper meaning more. It was a more richer event, I think, because others, uh, could participate. That's beautiful. And in terms of the team around you, you know, when we talk to your family, when I read a runner's high, you know, I got a really strong feeling that family sits front and center for you. You think a lot about them uh, before running, during running and after. So that journey for your family, what's that been like when you've been running, you've been, you know, pushing the limits personally and physically, how has that impacted positively or negatively those connections within your family? <laughs> I, I hope, uh, I hope I've set a good example, uh, especially for my kids, because, you know, they, they've always known me as this uh, crazy ultra marathoner that's been out, you know, doing these, uh, inc- you know, these, these seemingly impossible uh, endeavors around the, around the globe. I mean, I've, you know, I've run a marathon to the South pole. I've run across uh, death Valley in the middle of summer. You know, I, I've done things that are, uh, pretty outrageous. And I think the the biggest lesson is that 
I, I still love it, even after doing it for 30, you know, 30 years, almost three decades of running ultra marathons. I still get up every morning and have, uh, you know, a, a longing to pursue uh, these these incredible and adventurous sort of pursuits. So I think that that commitment and that lifelong uh, devotion to my passion, uh, hopefully, has shown them that you know you you can make your dreams come true if you work hard enough. I love that, and you mentioned something a moment ago just around those perceived limits and those limitations and you were surprised that you could push through those. So where do those limits, where do you believe those perceptions and those limits come from that we place upon ourselves? Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. And I think that, uh, I think we look around us and we look at what others are achieving or not achieving and that's kind of how we set um, the ceiling for how high we can climb. And I think only through, uh, you know, biting off more than you can chew, of, of taking on more than you thought you were capable, uh, do you, you know, you, you break down those limitations. Uh, you know, I think you need first to, to know your limitations and be aware of those before you can exceed them. So to me, you know, running one marathon was hard enough. Uh, the thought of, you know, running maybe 10 marathons in a row uh, was daunting. And the idea of running a marathon in every of the U.S. states in 50 consecutive days was terrifying <laughs> and, and seemingly impossible. So, I, you know, I set my sights on that. And uh, somehow, you know, 50 days later, uh, I got through it. It's incredible. And those moments of self-doubt, like whether we're on the sports field, whether we're running a corporate, you know, we have self-doubt. So for you, when the self-doubt creeped in, like, oh, I'm so sore, I've got to stop, I can't go any further. Were, were there any mental moves, any self-talk, anything that you used, a strategy that helps you to push through that self-doubt? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I I knew my I knew my goal. I knew what I was trying to achieve. So I knew where the you know, the direction I was heading. And there were certainly many moments along the way where I thought, you know, I, I, I can't do this. I mean, I remember getting out of bed uh, on marathon number 19 and I couldn't even put my foot on the floor. My, my feet were so tender. My, my legs hurt so much. I couldn't get out of bed. And I thought <laughs> you, you can't even, you know, make it from yeah, this hotel bed to the, to the sink you know, how are you going to run a marathon today, let alone 30, 31 more marathons in 31 days? And at that point, you know, I said, okay, you, you, you know, it's expected. Uh, the, the problem is that you're thinking too much. Don't think, just, just execute. So I tried my best to be in the here and now and, you know, in the present moment of time, not to think about the future, not to reflect on the past, you know, not, not to be checking off boxes on how many marathons I've completed and how many were left to go just to be the very best I could be in that instant of time. So I got very granular. I said, you know, just get to the sink, splash some water in your face. Okay. You know, go to your kid and put on your, your running gear, you know, lace up your shoe, one shoe at a time, uh, you know, get out the door, <laughs> get to the starting line, uh, you know, take a step when the gun goes off, take another step. And really that was how I did it. I was in the here and now and not, thinking about the future, just knowing that uh, the goal is 50 marathons and 
you know, to get there, you need to be the best you can at every moment. And, and that's how I did it. Such great insights. I think that we can all apply in any field. And I wanted to ask you as well, I see that you work with a lot of incredible companies, some of the world's greatest companies. So how can the lessons you've learned from running be applied to the business world? Well, you know, I think that to me, having worked with so many companies, so many great brands um, over the years, you know, I've, I've learned a lot of things. Um, one, I've learned that uh, people change. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, when you work with a company for, for decades, you know, there's a lot of employee turnover. So a lot of those relationships, um, you know, get reshuffled or lost along the way. But I think the, the things that stick are um, really uh, authenticity more than anything else. I think that uh, as, as a marketer myself, um, people can spot hypocrisy. People are really sharp and perceptive. And I think the message of, of, of being authentic, of, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk is, is the greatest message that, that great companies um, bring to their, their customers and their fans. And there's just, there's no way around that authenticity, you know, flash, glamour, uh, you know, buzz, all that stuff is kind of short lived, but it always to me gets back to, you know, are you authentic? Are you, you know, are you using the products? Are you loving the products? Uh, are you continually, um, you know, uh, trying to improve upon uh, the products and, and the messaging? So uh, that, that's the biggest lesson to me is just to be authentic. And again, I think that comes back to my Greekness. You know, the Oracle at Delphi just said, you know, know thyself and, and be thyself. So I've, I've learned, you know, over the course of several decades, you know, doing what I do, I've learned about who I am and I've learned just to, to be who I am. And it's interesting because I, I honestly think that a lot of listeners right now will, will be asking, like, who am I? How do I figure out who I am? So this idea of pushing yourself physically really, really in really intense ways through ultramarathon running or for others, it may be F45. For others, it may be rowing, um, hill climbing, whatever it might be. How can that physical endurance and pushing yourself past your limits help you discover who you truly are? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, you know, I, I say that uh, everyone who's interested in, in truly growing needs to run a marathon. And a lot of people say, oh, that's, that's impossible. I like, got someone else. I, I could never run a marathon. And that's why you need to run a marathon <laughs> because you think it's impossible. And the marathon teaches you so much about yourself. Uh, I guarantee to you that you'll cross the finish line as a different person than the one that was starting at the starting line. Um, you, you, you learn about uh, who you are through basically breaking yourself down and uh, adversity. So uh, how do you confront adversity? What do you do when things really, really hurt? I mean, and I'm talking really hurt <laughs> and you're really beat up and you're in so much pain. You don't think you can uh, take another step forward. Uh, that's when you, you see your true colors. You see how you respond to it. You see how re you react and, and you learn. And, you know, not everything you see, uh, you you might like. I mean, you might decide you're going to drop out of a race and not finish the marathon, and and that's very revealing. And that's you know that that's 
that's uh, as, as powerful and as profound a lesson as, as finishing the marathon. So I just think that to know thyself, you really need to push thyself. And to me, the best way to push thyself is through physicality. And the simplest form of physicality is running. <laughs> it doesn't get any simpler. You know, you can just walk out your front door and start running and, and see how far you can go. And for the person that goes, no, you know what? I've, I've got an injury. It's been there for years. Well, what's your response to that person that comes up with the self obstacles and excuses? You know, I think the, the only excuse is you, uh, you know, uh, I hear that all the time. Well, I've got this nickel in my knee or, you know, I've got a bad back and, uh, you know, I, I, I usually don't comment on such a thing because, you know, if, if someone's overweight and they say, I got a bad back, well, <laughs> maybe you need to lose a bit of weight and, and start doing, you know, sit-ups and exercising. But I think that, um, the people that are listening to this saying, oh, I could never do it because I've, I've got this issue or that issue. I think they're the ones who really need to, to do it the most. So I, I, you know, short of, short of a medical issue where, you know, you got a pin in your knee or something like that. If it's just a, you know, some niggling in your pant, you know, in your, in your back, or you just, you know, you've never been a good runner, quote unquote, or you just don't like to run. Uh, I think that those are the very reasons you need to take on the marathon. I love it. Setting the gauntlet down. I love it. So good. <laughs> and I, I promise you'll, you'll, you'll hate me at the finish, but you also love me at the finish. Well, Dean, I've never run a marathon. In fact, my partner, Caroline, uh, we're going down to support her at the Queenstown marathon uh, next or the end of this month. So I think you're, um, you're inspiring me to maybe actually set a line in the, the sand for next year and actually do a marathon, get signed up and start training. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you go to a marathon and spectate, uh, it, it's infectious. There's just something about watching others uh, kind of in the battle that makes you want to join in and be part of it. So, you know, I encourage you to to be there for her and cheer her on and maybe get absorbed in the energy of it. And, you know, the, 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 the first thing I always say to people is um, sign up, <laughs> you know, choose a race at an appropriate um, duration in the future, maybe six or nine months and, and register. Yeah. And that's commitment. Once you've signed up, then, you know, I've got a goal ahead of me and it kind of, you know, reverse engineers you into taking action. Mm. It's interesting because it, I was also wanting to ask you around vision, like how important it is to have a clear vision. And I firmly believe once we have visions, we can reverse engineer from there. But for you in your life, you know, when you go to those and do those big goals, have you always been clear on, hey, that's what I want to do. That's why I want to do it. Or has it been haphazard? Well, no, I mean, I think that to me, uh, there's this, this idea of uh, never stop exploring. So to me, running, you know, is, is, is as much about uh, adventure and exploration as it is about the act of putting one foot in front of the other. You know, running is a, is a, is a simple act, but it's a very diverse sport. You know, there's people that run uh, 100 meter dashes and they're runners, you know, they're 10,000 meter runners. You know, then there are marathon runners and then there are people like me, ultra marathon runners that might run for, you know, two or three or four days, um, you know, at a time. And, and that's a very different pursuit. So 
to me, I like combining uh, travel with with running, and that's why I look for adventures that <clears throat> are in unusual or you know uh, unexpected places uh, to do these sort of ultra marathons. And I think to me, it's fascinating as well as you know it 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 stirs the emotions for anyone who hears about something like that or or, or you know sees a video or. Uh, you know, a, um, a, even an Instagram post, it's inspiring uh, because, you know, you're, 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 again, you're, you're, you're being adventurous with your life. And I think that everyone likes some creativity and adventure in, in their life, no matter, you know, what you're doing. No, hundred percent agree. And when you're doing an ultra marathon, so when we think of a marathon, we're like, whoa, that's long. But when we're thinking of ultra, like overnight, sometimes multiple nights, I mean, the mind must go into overdrive and there must be some deep thinking. So in your experiences, you know, what's been one of your toughest or darkest moments mentally when you've been doing you know, a multiple day race? <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of um, hallucinations. Uh, you know, I've seen um, <clears throat> dinosaurs off in the distance. Uh, you know, I've had hallucinations talk to me. I remember running across Death Valley one time uh, and I became extremely dehydrated and I had thrown my electrolytes out of balance and I saw an old minor 49er walking across the road to, toward me. You know, uh, one of the gold miners from you know California he had a big gray beard and he had overalls. And I noticed he was carrying a, a gold pan. And when he reached me, he held out the gold pan. And he said, water, water, I need water. And I was carrying a handheld water bottle. And I turned it over to aspirate some water into the gold pan. And, and I heard the water sizzling on the, on the pavement. And I realized it was a hallucination. So I wow. um, certainly, yeah, it, that, that was pretty, pretty far out. That's amazing. And how do you respond to adversity, those tough moments that really test you? What's, what's your response under extreme adversity? Yeah, again, you know, people say, what do you think about when things get really, really tough? And I don't think. I think thinking is the problem uh, because you start to rationalize, you start to make sense of it, you try, start to try to figure out what's going on. And, and that just cascades into, you know, doubt. So when things get really, really tough, again, I just, I turn very much inward and just focus on the here and now, the present moment of time, and literally just say, take your next step to the best of your ability. Take your next step to the best of your ability. You know, earlier this year, I ran a hundred mile or, you know, 162 kilometer race in, in Patagonia uh, in South America. And uh, in the middle of the night, a snowstorm moved in and I was up in the mountains on this on this ridge line, and it was uh, sleeting and snowing sideways. And it was the middle of the night, and it was a very steep ridge line on either side of me. There were real steep cliffs, and you know I had a headlamp on, and I had you know full Gore-Tex kit, and the wind must have been blowing, you know, thirty, forty, maybe fifty kilometers an hour, and everything was just rattling. I mean, I couldn't hear. I couldn't see because the, the snow was blowing sideways and my light was just illuminating this blowing snow. And, you know, I'm, I had no idea how long the storm would last. <laughs> I, 
what could I do besides just focus on taking my next step to the best of my ability? So I, I literally tuned out everything except for my foot and the ground in front of me. And that went on for about four hours where all I did, I didn't think of anything except where's your foot going to go? Where's your next footstep going to go? Where's your next footstep to go? And it's, it's almost like a Zen-like trance you put yourself into. And you, you really forget about the pain. You forget about how much further you've got to go. You forget about everything. And when you come out of something like that, it's, 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 very, it's, it's very cleansing, actually. You feel almost rejuvenated and reborn because for a few hours, you've kind of been removed from, from reality. And to me, that's, um, you know, it, it just kind of rebirths you in a way. I believe we should all be taking shots. Yes, you heard me right. Every morning, I take a double shot of Nutrient Rescue. Reason being, well, the harmful Western diet of heavily processed food combined with our busy, stressful lives means that 60 to 70% of people are missing out on their five a day of fruit and veg. This micronutrient per diet has contributed to the modern epidemics of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and dementia. The studies prove it. Look, 87% of people who take the Nutrient Rescue shots reported feeling better within the first month. That's because 100% of the ingredients in Nutrient Rescue products are 100% grown in New Zealand. But look, don't take my word for it. Give it a try yourself. Using the code PURPOSE, you will get a 15% discount. So head over to nutrientrescue.nz and that 15% discount goes across any of their superfoods including their starter pack so cheers to you joining me for some shots oscar de la renta put it perfectly fashion is about dressing according to what's fashionable style is more about being yourself and that's one thing i always try to do is try to be myself whether i'm interviewing a former head of state hanging with my family on the weekend, or working with some of my incredible clients. I try to always just be myself as much as possible. And part of that is dressing accordingly. But every now and then, a special occasion will call for some special fashion. And I am by no means any expert on fashion. And that's why I'm delighted to partner with Munns. Munns is back and it's better than ever. Located in the beautiful Tannery Emporium on Garlands Road in Christchurch. It offers a huge range for men, with suits for hire and sale, ties, jeans, waistcoats, hats, sunglasses and more. So for all of your menswear needs, head along and check it out at munns.co.nz. That's incredible. And I'm as you're saying that, I'm really thinking about let's say someone who's in professional sports or even say uh, running a business and they've got ultra marathon um, and that's in the form of a, a large project or the, the, a year long goal. And along the way, they're feeling a little disoriented or tired. So with your ultra marathon running, do you take breaks? Do you slow to a walk when required? You know, do you take the time to refuel? Are there certain things you do just to make sure you can get across the finish line? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I have a quote, uh, you, know, you don't have to go fast, you just have to go. 
So, <laughs> you know, there, there are highs and lows and, um, you know, an ultra marathon is like a big business project. It is, it's daunting. It's overwhelming. It's seemingly impossible. And, you know, you go into it, you know, when the gun goes off, you know, you're, you're screaming out of the gate, you're cheering. There's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of adrenaline, uh, you know, but that, that wears down it wears out and trying to keep the momentum at the midpoint when things really suck, you know, when there's a lot of self doubt, like you can, you know, are you going to be able to finish uh, that that's, you know, when character is built, that's when you really see what you're made of and who you are. And that narrative, you know, the self-talk, the incantations, affirmations, are there, is there anything that you've used that's really helped you just to push forward to that next step? Uh, you know, I think that, I mean, I, I think I'm not the only one that does this, but you kind of start referring to yourself in the third person you know, like you can do this kind of talking to someone else. Like you can do, you've been here before, you know, you, it, it's been this bad before you can do this. So I, I just keep saying, um, you know, you, you, you can, you can, you can. And whether that helps or not, or whether that just helps to put your mind uh, in the current moment, instead of thinking about the future or anything else, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But the other thing that I've, I've really, um, learn to appreciate is, you know, there's a saying, uh, embrace the suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, uh, really, when things get really bad, like saying to myself, this, I, I don't know if it's ever been this horrible. Like this, this is so miserable. This is so bleak. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Like I've never been this low. I've never had things this bad. So really, uh, you know, experiencing the full range of human emotions you know, from the from the high of the starting gun going off, just to the the low of the misery of being stuck on you know on, on a ridge in a snowstorm, freezing, uncertain <laughs> if you're going to live through the night. You know, to to back to the high of, of crossing the finish line and having a medal put around your neck. I mm, love that. And Dean, I remember something from the book. It was really it really touched me. And you'd said running taught me that the pursuit of a passion mattered more than the passion itself and i just wanted to ask you what that you know what that meant to you and why the pursuit of a passion is so important yeah i think that uh, you know I, i'm a runner and i that's that's what i am it's a simple act <laughs> it's, it's nothing um intellectual it's nothing sophisticated but it's who i am and i pursue that to the best of my ability with 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 heartfelt intensity with with all of my uh faculties entirely committed to being the best runner that i can be and i think that's brought a lot of internal satisfaction and a lot of internal reward uh you know i i think you know someone who's aspiring to be a a nobel prize winner uh they're certainly just as committed maybe more so committed than i am and that's you know bringing them a lot of reward not everyone's going to win a Nobel Prize. <laughs> you know, not, not everyone's going to be, uh, you know, a, 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 the president of a country. Um, but everyone can be the best that, that they uh, can be and whatever their pursuit might be. So I think everyone loves something. And I always say to people, even when they say, you know, ah, I'm not satisfied with my life, with my career, I always say to them, you know, just on a piece of paper, free form, 
write down if you woke up tomorrow morning and your life was exactly as you wanted it to be, what would that look like? You know, where would you live? Uh, would you, what car would you be driving? What would you be doing? And a lot of people think, oh, that's easy. I'd, you know, I'd be drinking margaritas on, on Tahiti. But then they really think it through and they think, ah, that really wouldn't be that fulfilling. I, I, you know, I'd like to be a blank, whatever that might be. And I think that everyone can answer that question. Like, I, I really, this is who I am. You know, I want to be a poet or I want to be a basket weaver. Whatever that is, uh, if you pursue that to the best of your ability, it's going to bring you fulfillment. And that really aligns with what you said at the start of our conversation, just around being in the pursuit of excellence. And it's, you know, when I think of you, when I read your book, that when I see what you've done in your career, that you're constantly in process, constantly in the pursuit of that excellence. Yeah, I think that's I. I think that's one of the reasons I like I write as well because, <laughs> you know, you can, you just cannot write the perfect book, and and writing is every bit as hard as ultra marathon, if not if not more difficult. So, you know, it, I, I like these pursuits where, you know, it, it's it's a process. You know, you can you can never write the perfect book that you're always needing just to improve upon, you know, the things you've already already said and written. And, and that to me is, um, you, you know, it, it's, it talks about the journey being more rewarding than, you know, crossing the finish line. And it's so true. When you look at any great journey, it's the journey that you remember. It's, it's not necessarily the gold medal at the end, right? Yeah, it, 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 that's so true. And, you know, the other thing that I think a lot of people <clears throat> overlook is it's 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 the little moments in life that we most cherish. I mean, I look back on my career and yeah, I've been on the podium and I, you know, I've had accolades, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I was, um, yeah, I've, I've won a lot of awards, that kind of thing. And those were, those are gratifying moments, but you know, then I look back at the times where, you know, I was running with my daughter, you know, the first, uh, 10 K we did was on her uh, 10th birthday. We ran a 10K together. And it was that moment that I cherished the most. Mm, that's beautiful. That's so lovely. And in the book, you talked as well about Nicholas coming along to, to one of the big races and uh, what it meant to you and what it meant for your connection with him. So what are some of those other magic moments that you've shared with your family? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's been a journey, and you know, no no runner is an island. I mean, as any uh, anyone uh, listening to this who's a runner or an athlete knows, you know, uh, it, it it's a very uh, divisive pursuit. I mean, it, you're out there by yourself. It's it's very self absorbing. So you know, it, it, this brings people together, or it, it blows relationships to smithereens. And thankfully, my running has brought my family together. And, you know, I've, I've taken them on uh, almost all of my adventures. I mean, they, my kids were along with me for the 50 marathons in 50 states. Uh, my mom is a retired uh, school teacher, and she uh, would get the lesson plans from my kids' school every week, and they would um, do their homework with her. So, you know, they, they've grown up in this kind of atmosphere. And, you know, the, it's quirky. It's, it's a different type of lifestyle. And I hope that um, that's captured in my books. I mean, you know, so so much of my books are uh, about family, 
Uh, and I think that, you know, the, the family is, is so important. And, and thankfully, my family is fairly colorful. So <laughs> they make a good cast of characters. Oh, it's brilliant just to hear in the banter between your mum and your dad and yeah, the, the trips away that you have. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. In fact, I just I highlighted so many inspiring quotes and takeaways uh, in the book. And one that that really stuck out, it was really simple but profound, was that running a marathon doesn't just build character, it also reveals it. Yeah, it's, and I think, again, that's why I encourage people to, to sign up for a marathon because it reveals character to, your, to yourself. And, you know, you learn about your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities. And uh, I think until you expose yourself to those, you don't really know who you are. And when you do expose those and what you have, What's the next step? What's that next foot forward in terms of, hey, now I've exposed it. I know where I'm vulnerable. I know where, you know, there's maybe an ugly side there or a shadow. What's the next step? What do you do with that? I think you can improve upon it. I think when you when you see more deeply into your character and there are flaws that you notice, you're more aware of it. I think, you know, it, improve, self-improvement starts with awareness. And, uh, and again, you, you can't be truly aware of yourself until you put yourself in very adverse situations. And, and once you have, um, you know, those, those traits revealed, you can work on them. You know, you're, you're aware that, oh, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I, I'm not as gritty as I thought I was and I give up a little bit too easily uh, or I'm, I'm too quick to make excuses. You know, you learn, you learn this about yourself and, you know, in future pursuits, when you're in a similar situation, you reflect back and you say, you know, I made an excuse and got out of it last time I was here, but this time I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick it out. So again, I think that, um, you know, running a marathon, uh, increases your self-awareness tenfold. And the greats, if we look at any field, the people who we would regard as the greats, they tend to stay in the game a lot longer than their competitors. So for you, how do you remain entirely in the game and throughout your, your season of running, your life of running, how have you remained in the game? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I don't know if it's, um, if it's just, just uh, you know, boneheaded determination uh, and discipline because people say, you know, it's amazing that you've been doing this for, for three decades and you're, you know, you still love to run. Uh, and they say, you know, are, th are there, aren't there ever moments where you just don't want to run? And yeah, there are plenty of moments. And, and at those moments, I force myself to run. So I don't, I, I, you know, I, I love um, the pursuit of physical excellence and it's, it's, I guess it's in my DNA, but yeah, I mean, I, I looked through <clears throat> these, you know, I just saw a list from uh, Men's Health of like the the 50 fittest people in America. And and I'm on the list. And the, no one it. says, no one says, hey, this guy's he's 60 years old. I mean, you're looking at these other people. They're, you know, they're mostly in their 20s or some people in their 30s or they're saying, you know, these people in their 30s are kind of getting old and they're kind of, you know, their their game is over. And here's this like 60 year old guy that's still running hundred mile ultra marathons, but it never get, that never gets mentioned. I'm just still on these lists 
And I kind of see these lists and I look and I kind of laugh to myself, like, <laughs> how am I still on this list when everyone else is, you know, 20 or 30 years younger than me? I think that's amazing. <laughs> well, you I know, the, the other thing is that, um, you know, I, I know that physical fitness is, is so important in what I do and physical health. So, you know, my, my whole lifestyle is revolved around uh, activity and fitness. I mean, even right now, as, as we're doing this interview, I'm, I'm standing up. I, I never sit down from the moment I get out of bed in the morning until the moment I go back to sleep. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing all my writing, standing up. Uh, my gym, I've got an outdoor gym and it's, uh, I'm looking out the window at my gym. So I, I've made it very easy for me to, to be active. And I think that uh, that has been conducive to my longevity. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that. I was chatting with Dr. Haley Perlis a few months ago, and um, she works with Olympians and sports psychologists. We were talking about developing the habit of movement and exercise. And she suggested, look, a lot of people say, look, I'll do five days on, two days off. And her feeling was that, no, what you want to try and achieve is every day move your body, make it a, a daily habit, even if it's 15 minutes, but just move. So what do you do to, to keep that momentum happening? Is it a daily commitment to movement? Is it four on, three off? No, it's, I mean, it's, it's a daily commitment. And, uh, you know, I kind of have been following this somewhat, you know, hard, easy regime, and that's very high level. So, you know, like uh, a couple of days ago on Sunday, I did a, a really hard uh, 50 kilometer run. And uh, yesterday, uh, I did a very easy five kilometer walk jog, if you will. So uh, every day doing something, but some days uh, pushing much harder, other days uh, going a little bit easier. Uh, you know, people say, you know, learn to listen to your body. <laughs> if I listen to my body, I'd be sitting on the couch, you know, eating potato chips, drinking beer, right? I mean, that, that's what you want to do. That, that's, you know, what's going to bring you the most pleasure. But, you know, to me, it, it's, it's, it's about uh, uh, more tuning into the fact that every day I'm, I'm going to get up and move. And again, I, I encourage people listening, just try it a couple of days a week. Try saying that, you know, you're, you're not going to sit down from the moment you get out of bed until the moment you go uh, back to sleep. Now, you know, obviously, if I'm getting in a car to drive somewhere, or if I've got to fly somewhere, I'm sitting down. But on those days uh, when you don't have to sit down, uh, try standing all day. Just something simple like that. And I mean, bounce around on your toes and and just, and see how you feel after standing up all day. Well, Dean, I just got off my stool and I'm standing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. I love it. <laughs> What's next for you? What what excites you? What's on the cards for the next 12 months that, that gets you fizzed and excited? Ah, the, you know, I mean, this this is going to be very random to you uh, and maybe unexpected, but I just um, I just finished writing a screenplay, wow. uh, a Hollywood screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah, but it's it's not it's I mean, I, I've I've you know, I've written two screenplays now. The first was uh, one based on um, my first book, Ultra Marathon Man. So you kind of know the story. If you've read my book, you kind of know the storyline of, of that um, movie. And that's more linear. Uh, the second um, script I just wrote is about uh, Socrates, the ancient philosopher. 
So it's, uh, it's, it's really about, uh, it's set in, in 400 BC in ancient Athens. And uh, it's quirky, it's unexpected, and it's, it also combines uh, life lessons with the storyline. So, you know, my goal was to write a, a story that was, you know, from the moment, you, you know, the, the opening scene to the closing scene, you're just, you're glued to the screen. And part of that to me was you, you can't, you know, a movie about an ancient philosopher, you, you can't fill it with action scenes. So I thought if there's not killing, if there's not bloodshed, if there's not action, how do you hold an audience's attention? And I thought, you know, you, you educate them in quirky and unexpected and profound ways. So anyway, that you can tell I'm very passionate about this. And uh, I just I just finished it. So that uh, that is, you know, kind of um, absorbed my uh, my passions for the past uh, past year on and off as I've been working on it. Um, concurrently, I'm planning, uh, an, another run, a long run with a friend of mine, uh, from the lowest point on earth to the highest point on earth. So we're looking at probably 2024, uh, because we're working with a, a film production company that's going to document it, but, uh, that's in the works. So wow. you probably know the highest point on earth. Yeah. And it's not, it, it's not a true question. It's, it's Mount Everest. And yeah. Uh, the lowest point on earth is the Dead Sea. So we're going to try to run um, either, depending on the route we choose, um, either about 3,000 miles or about 5,000 miles uh, from the Dead Sea to the top of Mount Everest. Wow. And I, I imagine not only would there be logistics challenge, but there would be geopolitical challenges. There'd be potential <laughs> threats to your personal safety. <laughs> Well, that's and that's why I said it's either uh, about three thousand miles or five thousand miles because uh, the shorter route um, goes through uh, Iraq and Iran, mm -hmm. and the State Department, the U.S. State Department, is saying uh, no, you're not going to be able to do this, and so the the longer route is going uh, up through the the stands, you know, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, um, but. It's funny, uh, I've, you know, I've mentioned this endeavor uh, in a couple of interviews, and I have so many people, especially from Iran, that have contacted me on social media and said, look, you have to come through our country. Like, it's, it's, there are runners here, and we're just like you, and we will meet you guys at our border, and we will have 100 people running with you every day uh, across our country. And wow. to me, that is that just speaks to something higher than our differences. You know, it, it's this running, uniting people, the, you know, the, the very simple act of, you know, putting one foot in front of the other is, is something universal. Yeah. You know, the, the God we worship might be different. The color of our skin might be different. The, you know, the language we speak, but running unites us. So I am, I am pushing as hard as I can. That's one of the reasons it's, it's taking so long to organize this is I really want to go through Iraq and Iran. I think that'll be incredible just to, to follow that journey and to go from the lowest point to the highest point through all those ups and downs of what you're going to have to achieve to get there. It'll be phenomenal. And on your screenplay, um, after uh, we've, we've finished our conversation, I want to introduce you to an incredible guy, fellow American called Patrick Mosher. He runs an amazing program called the Wisdom Council. He just got back with his Wisdom Council members from the Oracle at the Delphi. 
And mm. I think you and him would have an incredible conversation around Socrates and yeah, he's right into it. Uh, yeah, I'd love to, to get connected with him. I am, um, you know, I've been to Delphi uh, a number of times. Um, I actually carried the Olympic torch oh, definitely. Uh, in Greece across Delphi. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I'll, I'll definitely introduce <laughs> yeah. you guys. I'll, I'll, I'll do that right after. Now, before we wrap up, I've got one question. I always save this to the end. And if we were to fast forward to the very end of your life, it's the last day, you know, it's your last day. And someone very young, maybe a grandchild, a young person within your family network comes up and asks you this question. Dean, how can I lead my life on purpose? What would you, your advice or feedback be to them? <laughs> this is going to be, again, a very Greek answer, but um, uh, be who you are. I love it. I love it. <laughs> there was silence. I, really do. I don't know if that was, I don't know if the silence was a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm letting that land with me and just take that in and be who you are. And it's interesting you say that because Bronnie Ware, she wrote an incredible book. She was a palliative care nurse and she wrote a book called the five regrets of the dying. And she spent a lot of time with people on their last days. And the number one regret was that we spend a large part of our lives worried about what other people think of us. And we, we then act and behave accordingly to, to impress others and what you've just said is just so striking and so powerful. Be who you are. It's amazing. Well, and you know, the other, uh, there's another quote I have that I, I just love. I don't know how it sits with others, but you know, I, I always say that uh, nobody wants their last thought to be, uh, I wish I would have laughed more. <laughs> so, I mean, have some fun with life. I mean, there, there, I'll leave you with a movie called Zorba the Greek. And yes. it's it's an old movie. It's an old book by a Greek author that I just love, and it's it's so uh, irreverent, and it it just it so speaks to life being fun. I mean, life being something to celebrate. And you know, essentially, his business just goes to hell in a handbasket. You know, and the last scene is him with his buddy drinking some ouzo on a beach. You know, Greek dancing. Yeah, so <laughs> celebrate life as well. I love it. Oh, yeah, I've got great memories of Uzo from the days in Falaraki uh, in Greece, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not go there. <laughs> <laughs> that's for another, another episode of the podcast, yeah. 100%. Hey, Dean, I just want to say a massive thank you. I have a feeling this is not the last time we will speak or connect, and I'll be following your journey. And I want everyone that's listening right now, if they're on their phones they can either go to audiobooks, or they can go to Amazon or their local bookseller and order a copy of A Runner's High. It was truly an incredible book. I learned a lot about myself. Uh, there's a few challenges that were set out in there that particularly around self-discovery that have really excited me. So it's a great book. If you're a runner, you're going to love it. If you're not a runner, you're going to love it. So I'll put the link in the show notes for people to grab a copy. And yeah, I'm excited to see what the next year or two brings for you, Dean. Uh, I appreciate uh, you being such a gracious host. And I hope I, I didn't bore you senseless. And I hope the audience uh, learned something from our conversation. But I, I very much enjoyed our time together. Oh, thank you so much, Dean. We'll talk soon. 
Thanks for tuning in today and investing in your own personal leadership. Please hit that subscribe button and I'd love if you'd leave me a rating and review. I've got some amazing guests lined up for you in the coming weeks. And leaders, it's that time to get out there and lead your life on purpose.